This is episode two of the Pick and Pod podcast here on WFUV Sports alongside Jack Regan and Sam Basil. I am Andrew Posadas, and it has been a heck of a few days here in New York, especially with the Los Angeles Lakers coming to town to visit the Knicks and the Nets. We'll get to that momentarily. We'll also talk about Zion Williamson, his debut, and that monstrous fourth quarter he had against the San Antonio Spurs. And for a majority of this episode, we'll be touching on All-Star Weekend, the starters, who we think should have been, who we thought should have been snubbed and talk about the reserves and everything having to do with the 69th edition that will be held in Chicago. But first, Jack, Sam, how are you guys doing today? I'm feeling pretty long and athletic today, uh, Andrew. Uh, Like usual, (laughs) I'm waking up, I'm feeling dangerous. And um, yeah, ready to get into the Lake Show, the All-Star Starters. It's a spectacular episode today, Pick and Pod. I'm doing well. I've I've never heard anyone describe their day as long and athletic, but (laughs) if that's good, then I guess I might be too, so... Well, let's get right into it. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers finished their New York tour going to Barclays, beating the Brooklyn Nets by 15 by fifteen points, excuse me, as LeBron James had 27 points, 12 boards, and 10 dimes, his 10th triple-double of the season, and the Lakers made 19 three-pointers to get that double-digit lead. Just impressions on the night that was, Jack. LeBron and AD really just showing out in Barclays, just in full effect, cheering for them. It really felt like a predominantly Lakers crowd in MSG and last night in Barclays. Yeah, it's almost that sort of thing for the Knicks at this point, you know, because every visitor that comes to that to the Garden, they bring their A game. Because everyone, I mean, sure, what we've discussed, I'm sure, many times on One on One and this and podcasts, nobody wants to play for the Knicks, at least in the past ten or fifteen years. Um, but everyone wants to play in the Garden. So when a guy like LeBron, a superstar like LeBron or Kobe come to the garden they always bring their a game and that's what happens and they're usually victimizing a really bad Knicks team and I think I think LeBron especially too I mean you see every time he comes to New York like I mean last year I think he caught a lot of heat for that Instagram post he made after mm-hmm. I mean heat from salty Knicks fans not really from anybody else um, when he said he was the king of New York and we've always seen LeBron his entire career you know rep he's rep the Yankees before mm-hmm. Um, they've always made big pushes for him to come every time he's a free agent, which obviously never works out. So I think I think whenever LeBron, I mean, most a lot of other players do, but especially LeBron will want to come with their A game to New York. Yeah, and let's just touch on that Knicks game a bit and the post game press conference there for LeBron. Somebody actually <laughs> asked him if he was going to come to the Knicks. Should Bronny James, who is a freshman right now, should he get drafted by New York? And really, that question to me, as guys who have been to games and reported, Mm -hmm. why would you ask that question? Like, you want LeBron to have to come. You want him to come should Bronny get drafted. But you don't want to just say that three (laughs) or four years in advance. I almost applaud the creativity on that one, thinking that far ahead. This guy did the math on it and figured out when how old LeBron was going to be. And, you know, the Knicks. He also figured the Knicks would probably be bad by the time Bronny is, I guess, out of freshman of college. And they will be. Um, it's a very bizarre question, but I think it's a valid one. Maybe he will, honestly. I think he might. I don't think it's a valid question. I mean, to quote Bryce Harper, I think that's a clown question. Um, I, I, I really, I think, uh, Bronny is getting like a little bit too much, uh, media attention right now. I mean, especially because he is a freshman. The fact that he's getting games televised on ESPN. I know LeBron did it when he was in high school, but I don't really think he's at the talent level to get his own games broadcast on ESPN. And 
that's not even something that LeBron is probably even thinking about. I know he kind of deflected it because he doesn't want to talk about you know moving where he, moving somewhere out to the Lakers and playing with his son. But it's 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 really not. It's 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 a it's a non-issue. I think. And I just got this. Uh, my producer Jack is in my ear, and he just told me that more people are going to Bronny's high school games. <laughs> than the average attendance of the Minnesota Timberwolves home games. I believe it. So, I mean, yeah, of course. What? It's, it's amazing to just see how much just media hype, and I mean, obviously now in the age that we live in with social media, it's even worse for Bronny than it was for LeBron when ESPN televised a few of his games at William & Mary. But it, to me, it's just for Knicks fans, this is just getting their hopes high again. A lot of them are delusional enough to think that Giannis is going to come in 2021, that he's going to want to come resurrect the Knicks. And now it's three, four years down, like, don't worry, we got Bronny coming, and then LeBron will come in right into the sunset in his last season. But we say that every year. Mm-hmm. We say that with Zion. We say that with Trey Young. We've been saying that since Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> People <laughs> were photoshopping Jaleel Okafor in a Knicks jersey I was about to say. five or six years ago, and I mean, he he never amounted really much in the NBA anyway, but the Knicks didn't get him, so if, it's like... If you just look up the history of Knicks jersey edits over the years, it must be just absolutely wild. I mean, Kyrie, Durant, Zion, Julia Locafor. But again, that's just putting a bow on this, I guess. That's kind of why I credited this reporter for this question, because I think that's the only circumstance any superstar, not just LeBron, would come to the Knicks if their son was playing for them. That's the only way. Yeah, and I mean, and for the Nets, obviously they lose. Kyrie Irving doesn't do much. He had over 20 points, but shot awful from the field. And we were talking about it beforehand just to finish it off. The Brooklyn Nets, I mean, there's not much going on. Obviously, KD is out. Kyrie has been out for an extended time. But it just doesn't feel like things are starting to come together. It feels like the team hasn't fully accepted Kyrie yet now that we're getting midway through the season. Yeah, where have I heard this story before? Kyrie joins a group of young, promising you know, players, and then all of a sudden they underperform. Oh, wait, that happened like a thousand times. I mean, this is not surprising at all for me. I mean, they're 18 and 25 right now. Everyone's underperforming, not just Kyrie. And I said before the show, if I had to choose who to put on the all-star team between the two, I wouldn't put either. But I would between Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving, i put Spencer Dinwiddie easily. Yeah, I think you're very right in the sense that we're seeing a lot of the same signs in Brooklyn with Kyrie that we saw in Boston. But I think... Kevin Durant waiting in the wings, of course, on the bench right now due to injury, makes it a completely different situation. Kenny Atkinson said last night that he said, quote, we're not an elite team right now. And I think he's right in the sense they're not really doing too well. But the fact that Kyrie is is kind of just leading this team, and he's, he's 5-12 and 12 when he's playing, um, I think it's, it's, it's a non-issue. They should, they're not even... If I was the Nets front office, I wouldn't even be thinking about this mm. season. I'd be thinking about, let's just develop our bench, develop Kyrie, get him a little bit more adjusted to the system until Kevin Durant comes back. Because then Kyrie will have someone that he can kind of play off of, he can dish the ball to, make him look a little bit better. Not that Kyrie's a bad player, but he mm. does need somebody else to, to make him look a bit better, like we saw with LeBron in Cleveland. And I just think I just think they're, people are kind of jumping the gun a little bit on the Nets. Yeah, and again, the Lakers come to New York, sweep the Knicks, sweep the Nets, and for now, New York basketball will still have to wait for that resurrection. But let's move on from the state of New York to the Windy City, Chicago, where All-Star Weekend will be next month. And last night on TNT, the starters were announced for each respective conference. Let's start in the Eastern Conference and in the backcourt. Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks gets one spot 
Kemba Walker from the Boston Celtics gets the other. And in the front court, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, and the captain and leading vote-getter of the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo, for those that don't know how to pronounce it correctly, of the Milwaukee Bucks rounds out the starting five. And let's start with the Eastern Conference because I, I think we all are in agreement that Jimmy Butler from the Miami Heat, that he should be starting at the and the Miami Heat, as good as they've been, the second team in the Eastern Conference, they should have a starter mm. in this game this year, Jack. Yeah, and when you look at it, I mean, listen, people have a problem with Trey Young being a starter because you make the argument, well, his team is one of the worst in the NBA. I honestly don't, as it stands right now, because, I mean, listen, he's putting up the numbers. He got 29-8. and eight, And the All-Star game, this isn't, you know, the end of the year. We're not talking about first team, second team, third team. This is for the fans. This is a, t- this is a TV program, the All-Star game. And we want to put out the most exciting players. And Trey Young is one of the most exciting players in the league. The way he shoots, not a lot of people watch him because, again, he's one of the worst teams in the league. But I don't have a problem with it. That being said, if Jimmy Butler was in the guard section, and he should be, then Jimmy Butler should far and away be in over Trey Young. What he's done for that Miami team, being the best player on a team where no one really expects them to do anything, and all of a sudden they're you know a contender almost, I'd say. Yeah, I think... I think um... Trey Young is definitely the outlier in this starting five. Um, I mean, of course, we we all know knew going into this that the Eastern starters were going to be uh, a bit of a weaker pool than the West. But I think when you look at all four, I mean, Pascal Siakam is having he's I think he's really yeah he's no doubt an all star. Yes. I mean, everyone had a lot of doubts for the Raptors once Kawhi left, but he's really stepped up. Giannis, of course, another on pace for another MB, MVP season. But yeah, Trey Young, I think he's got time. He will be. Uh, in a couple of years, when he gets voted to All Star starter, likely again, there's not going to be any debate where he that he deserves to be where he is. But I think right now it's it's questionable for me. Yeah, and uh, just to go off both, uh, start with you, Jack. Your point of just the fact that a winning record shouldn't matter as much unless you do have a big three like the old Miami Heat team or like the Golden State Warriors. Do you guys remember that year? The Atlanta Hawks had like four right. All Stars with Jeff Teague. Al Horford, Kyle Corver, Mark Harrell. Yeah, and yeah. that's, I mean, that to me is ridiculous. You don't reward winning teams with multiple all stars. It's the best players that have played in the respective conference. And, and Sam, you said it best. It's weak, especially in the backcourt. You think about Kyrie Irving has missed time, so he did not deserve to start. Derrick Rose has been a great story. Don't get me wrong, but his numbers aren't comparable with Trey Young's. And then you look down, Kyle Lowry has been hurt a bit. His numbers really haven't been there, especially with the ascendance of Van Vliet mm-hmm. there in the backcourt. The only other guy maybe you could argue in the is Zach Levine, and that's only because he's a Chicago Bull and maybe just to have that hometown guy there starting. But for the most part, Trey Young has put up crazy numbers and really deserves this spot, mm-hmm. although his team has disappointed. Right. For me, and also, yeah, going back to that, I mean, the only case where an award or some sort of honor in the NBA, the winning should matter, is MVP. Because, you know, eating up numbers on a bad team – that's never good. But doing it in a fun way, hey, let's watch that on All-Star Weekend. I'm down for that anytime. And I also hope Trey Young um, goes for the three-point contest. That'd be electric. But I have a question for you guys now because, for me, I think a Toronto Raptor kind of has to be an All-Star. And is it going to be Van Fleet or is it going to be Lowry at this point, really? For me, I think it. It's, I think it's going to be Van Fleet if I had my choice. I would pick Van Fleet, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I think they maybe would give the Milwaukee Bucks a second all-star before they give the Raptors mm-hmm. one, which I would not. I mean, although Chris Middleton is averaging 20 points per game, he's shooting 50% from the field. 
But to me, as I mentioned, winning records, once you put Trey Young in the starting lineup, you have told me that winning record does not matter, that you're right. just finding the guys who are balling out and giving, putting up stats. So a guy like Bradley Beal, to me, should get more consideration. He's averaging 28 points, and without him, the Washington Wizards are probably the worst team in basketball, even worse than the Golden State Warriors. So there has to be credit in that. So all in all, I mean, Trey Young, yes, he's a starter, but looking for the reserves, is there anybody that you think – off the top of your heads that you think in the Eastern Conference could end up getting snubbed in the reserves next Thursday when they are announced? I mean, I think Tatum's going to get picked just because there's always been media hype around it. I'm just going down the list right now. I think Tatum's going to get picked, but Butler's obviously going to get picked. I could see them overlooking. I don't know. I don't think Adebayo probably deserves to be in there. Front court, I think, is set. I'll tell you one thing. I don't really need Chris Middleton to be an all-star. I really don't think so. So if he's out, I'm fine with that. But yeah, as far as the guards go, I think Brad, you said it, Bradley Beal, if he's not on there, then that'd be a real misfortune because he's getting overlooked because his team isn't great. I think we were talking about the decision between picking a reserve for the uh, Toronto Raptors, whether it be Van Fleet or Kyle Lowry. In my opinion, I think both of those players are can both be on the reserves at the same time. But I think mm. given the, the doubts that people have been kind of throwing at the Raptors this entire season, I think one or the other is going to get snubbed. If it's if it's not Van Fleet, it's Lowry. If it's right. Lowry, it's going to be Van Fleet. Yeah, I would just say just looking at the voting in the front court, I think somebody like DeMontis Sabonis, who has helped Indiana really stay yep. pat there at number four at the number five seed, he's averaging a double-double. He may end up getting snubbed. And as far as guards go, you said it uh, in our uh, pre-interview, just like in the meeting room, the conference room, Spencer Dinwiddie has had a yeah. phenomenal start to the season, especially with Kyrie out, really stepped his game up. The Nets aren't that good, but he deserves some, some at least some acknowledgement mm-hmm. that he's an all-star. He's at the bottom there, number 10. It feels like he'll probably end up getting snubbed too. And we'll see next Thursday what exactly happens with the Eastern Conference. But now let's move over to the Western Conference and their starting lineup, which I think we all can agree was pretty much pat, no disagreements. The start in the backcourt, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, who is out of his mind, averaging almost a Mm triple-double. He's at one guard. James Harden, who's averaging 37 points per game, is the other guard. And in the front court, just, oh, man, this is a trio right here. (laughs) Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers, Kawhi Leonard of the Clippers, and to finish off the L.A. trio, the leading vote-getter, LeBron James, the captain of the Western Conference from the Los Angeles Lakers. And guys, there just has to be no disagreements. This starting five right here, this is an 82-0 and starting five right here, bar none. And it's so fun-looking, too. I'm just looking at the team, and I also kind of chuckled when you said LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. I'm like, oh, that's who the Lakers thought they were going to get this year. That's who they thought they deserved. Um, But no, it's the all-star front court. Um, Yeah, no, I guess the only argument you can make, and not even really, is maybe Luka over LeBron for captain. But when you look at Luka's injury, and he kind of sat down for a while, people kind of cooled on him. He definitely would have been captain, I think, if he didn't get hurt. But yeah, no, this is a solid Stan Pat starting five. Yeah, I think I think this is as safe as you can go for the Western Conference. Um, I'm gonna have to disagree with you though that maybe Luca would have deserved the starting uh, the captain spot. I think um, in terms of captains, I mean it's not really that important, but I think LeBron mm. uh, has always shown that he's been pretty good. I mean we've always we've always everyone's always considered LeBron sort of like a player GM both on the Cavs and then on the on the Lakers. There's always a ta- taunts, you know, like LeBron's gonna trade you for a, lot of, <laughs> a couple players, but. Um, I think I think LeBron being a captain is always great because it's always interesting to see like how he he drafts in the All Star 
Yeah, and he could he could tamper like he did last year with AD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, LeBron was a bit uh, facetious in his uh, post game uh, interview. He said that he may be my pick AD. You know, he doesn't really <laughs> like him as much anymore. But you can rest assured that that will be his number one pick, and hopefully Giannis, because last year Giannis just got fleeced in the draft. LeBron mm-hmm. was able to just manipulate him and make Giannis draft the bums, if you will, or the lower level of the All-Stars, while LeBron just had a juggernaut team. But let's move over to the reserves. And I think this one is tough, just because there's so many big names there in the front court when you talk about the Joker, Jokic, uh, PG. Carmelo Anthony has some fan voting, but Melo has been, that would be a great kind no. of a swan song, just to no, say goodbye. If, if, he, if this is it, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He could get that benefit of the doubt. And then, but a, a guy who I think could end up getting somewhere, two guys is Brandon Ingram from the Pelicans and Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. Those are two guys who have had great seasons, mm-hmm. but now it's just who do you take out? Who do you replace? Right. And in the backcourt, you talk about Russell Westbrook, Dame Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Ja Morant. Chris Paul, who has resurrected himself, guys, there's just no room for error here, and it's going to be interesting to see who the coaches on the West bring in in the front court and in the back. Right. For me, my big one is Brandon Ingram. I really hope he makes it on. But at the same time, there needs um, – and we were talking a bit about it before the show too um, – the Jazz, you really need to have somebody, and that's where the decisions going to have to be made between Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell. For me, I, I hope – Selfishly, I hope it's Donovan Mitchell because he's just a really fun player to watch. But it's just it's tough that one of those guys are probably gonna have to get cut. Yeah, and looking at this front court right now, seeing how high Melo is on his on his weighted score, um, he's got a he's he's ranked sixth for all the front court players. I know we were talking about how Melo is probably getting that spot uh, largely for like you know kind of his swan song. It's like likely Melo's last season. Considering that Melo is that high, most likely because of that. Going back to the East, do you think Vince Carter might deserve a spot? Well, honestly, I think I don't know if Vince is done yet. He didn't say he hasn't confirmed that this is his last season. I mean, you never know, especially in basketball. But that could be. Th- I think if the All Star Game was in Atlanta, then I think there would be right. a bigger argument a bigger to push. have him in. But I just think in this case, maybe you try and convince Vince to be in the dunk contest. Maybe you say, "Hey, go out and be in the dunk contest. Right. Give us a retro performance." But no, and, and look at Melo in the player rank. He's seventh. Rudy Gobert is ninth. So the thing is, it's crazy because I think players might not respect Rudy as much because last year he cried when he found out that he wasn't an all-star. Mm-hmm. And it's just I think players maybe have that impression that he might be a little soft. And a lot of players have so much respect for Melo. They're happy he's back in the right. league. So they're going to vote for him. And it feels like maybe the coaches might feel that same way, have that same sentiment where they say, hey, with our last spot, let's throw Melo in there and just see what happens. Right. I think the player vote is tricky. I was a fan of it. At the, I still am. I was a fan of it at the time uh, when they split up 50 fan, 25 player, 25 media. But it, it's kind of evident now after we've done it for you know a few years that players kind of tend to pick their friends at times, uh, which is why I think Melo is ranked the seventh best front court player in the league by the players. And yeah, Rudy, like you said, Rudy Gobert is ninth. And overall, Rudy Gobert's, Rudy Gobert's style of play isn't very conducive to all-star voting, I think. He does a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't really see on the stat sheet just in terms of being a defensive presence. So, you know, that being said, I think, I hope that coaches will pick up on that because he deserves an all-star selection, at least at some point in his career. But then at that point, we are comparing, you know, centers. And then you think about Carl Anthony Towns as well, 
who's had a solid season. He's always been okay. Um, between those two, I think I think Carly Towns might get the nod over Rudy just in terms of style of play, but I think Rudy deserves it. I, I totally have to agree with you. I mean, if you're looking at just a total versatile player, Rudy Gobert is probably a better pick. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it's the All-Star game, so you're not looking for a defensive presence because right. no one's playing defense. The score is probably going to be like 215 to 207. <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to you're not going to be seeing Rudy Gobert setting a lot of screens and then going back to fundamentals, you know. Mm. Yeah, and guys, we'll find out next Thursday who there's who the reserves will be and I'm sure there will be one or two snubs as they are every year. But let's look at All-Star weekend as a whole. A lot of storylines to kind of take in the dunk contest, Dwight Howard just confirmed that he will be participating in it, trying to win his third dunk contest since, what, it's been maybe 10 mm. years or so since his last participation. Um, Aaron Gordon has said that if Zach Levine comes in, and um, again, Zach Levine is the hometown player, if he comes in, Aaron Gordon would like to go against him one-on-one. You you just mentioned Vince Carter. Mm, that could be a potential for. We're not sure yet. The three-point shooting contest, which I think has overtaken the skills challenge and the dunk contest as the right. premier event, especially the way today's NBA is, I think that is going to be great. The skills challenge is low-key, something good to start with. But just getting your impressions, what are you looking forward to most here in All-Star Weekend this year? Yeah, the dunk contest, I mean, it's hard. Like you said, I think everyone kind of enjoys the three-point contest more consistently now. But nothing in sports, I think, maybe beats the dunk contest at its best. Like when Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine, that was one of the best you know, sporting events I've ever witnessed in my entire life, just straight up. I don't think Levine, if I was Levine, I wouldn't enter the dunk contest ever again. I've proven it. He won, <laughs> he won that duel against Aaron Gordon. Everyone knows what that man can do. Um, but, yeah, I guess, the, I mean, the three-point shooting contest, you look at that looking around the league, there's so much talent, you know, and Steph Curry's probably not going to be in this year. Clay Thompson's not going to be in this year. Maybe Bogon or um, – or, you know, Trey Young is also really someone I hope enters a three-point contest, and he would light it up, I think. I, I think if you're Zach Levine right now, I think you have to enter no. the slam dunk contest. Yeah, you're the Everyone hometown know, Why guy. would that remind Look, okay. Zach Levine is a great player, but he kind of became – I mean, I wouldn't really say right now he's a household name, but he definitely shot up in popularity after his great performance in the slam dunk contest and multiple multiple performances. And now that you're now, if you have a chance to do that in the city that you play in against a uh, a slam dunk contest legend like Dwight Howard, and then potentially one of the greatest, if not the greatest dunker in NBA history, Vince Carter, to go toe to toe against these guys, even if you don't win, if you put up a good performance and you can compete against those guys mm-hmm. in the dunk contest, that'd be like a career highlight moment for Zach Levine. And I think. he's worthy of an all-star spot. I mean, he's not just known as a dunker anymore. He's averaging 25 points a game. Right. His assist numbers have gone up. He's averaging about five rebounds. So his game is evolving, and I think that's really what it took, just him getting out of Minnesota. Wiggins was there. Cat was on his way. Oh just wasn't enough enough there even mm. though now when you look back at it maybe Minnesota would be like hey if we had those three guys maybe Levine we don't know if he's going to be better than Wiggins but obviously Wiggins for the hype has underperformed. You've got to just sat on it for a little bit longer. Yeah but right. and just coming into Chicago Levine's just kind of gotten into his own and right now he's showing you that he is worthy of that spot so I would agree with Sam it is if it wasn't in Chicago Jack then I'd I would be with you but mm. since it's in Chicago you have to have a hometown guy there and if he is going to be a reserve on 
on the All-Star team. It makes sense for him to kind of just say, hey, let me put on a Michael Jordan throwback jersey oh, and let me way. go from the free throw when line. you say it like that. Or have, <laughs> That's easy. Or <laughs> something like that. Or have Scottie Pippen throw it off the backboard and him just put it in between his legs know. or something. There's a lot there for Zach to work with. And I think it would be a shame if he decided not to participate, especially if Aaron Gordon said, if you're in, I'm in. That's true. Him, and like Sam said, it built it up a little bit there. A good promo for the dunk contest. When you look at Dwight Howard, one of historically the best dunk contest competitors ever, and then Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, who competed in arguably the best dunk contest ever, that would be must-watch television. But again, when something happens to players, it seems like, when they become an all-star, they kind of think, feel like, and I always resented LeBron for this too, that he never entered the dunk contest they kind of feel like they're almost too good for the dunk contest at that point. So it would be nice to see, but I really don't think he's going to, and I don't. I still don't think he has to. Everyone knows exactly what he can do. And I don't know what more he could do, to be honest. You just watch that dunk contest. What more could he do? He could compete against Dwight Howard and Vince Carter. That'd I think nice. that, that'd be an amazing passing of the torch moment you could do especially if 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 Zach Levine says I'm in and then Aaron Gordon says I'm in you could do sort of like a young and old like right. old heads you know I don't know <laughs> some some cool like that listen I'm just waiting for Dwight Howard to send that invitation to Kobe Bryant to be a part of it and then Kobe right. comes on the court and Dwight's like, yeah, just bounce it off the floor, one bounce, and Kobe just messes up every attempt on purpose, <laughs> throws it into the crowd, throws it to fans, and a minute goes by, and Dwight gets a zero on his dunk for that <laughs> round, and Kobe just looks at him and just says, soft, soft, and then just walks over and sits down next to his daughter and just explains <laughs> to her why he thinks that Dwight Howard is soft. So just I mean, went into a mentality again, <laughs> just all over again. Yeah, and All-Star Weekend in Chicago should be fun. Reserves will be announced next week, and we'll find more about who will be participating in the slam dunk contest alongside Dwight and who will be in the three-point and skills challenge competitions. But now, fellas, I want to transition into some general NBA talk. Something big happened this week. Zion Williamson, if you haven't watched ESPN or any of the family of networks, it had been promoted like crazy debuted at home against the San Antonio Spurs, my San Antonio Spurs, who they did get the win by four, but that is not the story. Unfortunately, Zion Williamson scoring 17 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter with four three-point shots. And Jack, for the first three quarters, we were thinking, hey, maybe he's not ready. Maybe this. Maybe we should slow down. Maybe he should sit out a bit more. But then for that four-minute stretch, he was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I was able to catch that game, thankfully, and I really, 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 really wanted to turn it off after the first quarter just because it was just like nothing. It was kind of clear that Zion was on a big minutes restriction. Um, but, yeah, he just went off, like, in general. And four for four, it was, like, almost hilarious to watch him play because the way – first of all, the way he shoots is kind of funny. He's a lefty, and he's just a gigantic human being. It almost looks like he just nudges the ball and it goes flying. Um, and just no one was respecting his shot whatsoever. It was almost like he was, I haven't seen anything like that out of like, you know, a forward type of player. And I don't know, in a very long time in today's NBA, it's just assumed people with that position can shoot or at that height can shoot. I should, I should say. Um, but yeah, they just weren't respecting him at all. It looked like me in the park, my friends sagging off me like that. Um, but no, he made him pay and it was very satisfying to see and stay up for. Yeah, uh, going back to Zion going four for four for three uh, during the game or after the game, I believe I saw a stat and I'm I'm confirming it now on uh, Basketball Reference. In his entire career at Duke, he had never made more than th- three three pointers in a single game. 
Mm. Uh, he rarely ever shot more than three three-pointers in a single game. And I think right now uh, with Zion, I mean, obviously we we saw at Duke he's an absolute beast. He can muscle his way into any sort of scoring opportunity he wants. But I think right now as he's kind of recovering from injury, we're going to be we're going to be seeing a lot more of mm-hmm. that from Zion. More mid-range shots, maybe a couple threes in there. He's he's going to want to, you know, he's going to want to play well, but I think he's going to be taking it easy a little bit. Right. And that's tricky though, too. Like like you said, he is coming back from injury. So if people start pressing up on him, will he have that explosiveness that he had at Duke to go by them muscles way in the paint? That's tricky. Yeah, and, and two things that I took away from it. First, Zion Williamson now has more made three-pointers than Ben Simmons does <laughs> with only in a three-minute stretch a coward, of time. Not scared to shoot the ball. So, Ben, please, don't be scared. Just shoot it. The only thing that can happen is you air ball it, you get back on defense. And two, Zion did a lot of his work from the outside, layups. He didn't mm-hmm. go up for any powerful dunks, didn't really try and explode too much. So the fact that he was able to do it a different way, I think that bodes well for when he is 100% and he can use the full scope of his athleticism. I think it's something w- with his vision and what he can do. I think he makes guys like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. those guys, their assist numbers will go up now and there will be more space for them to operate because you just can't leave Zion alone in the paint. They're going to have to send a, a second guy to him and so far so good for the New Orleans Pelicans who I think they now have to believe that they have a shot maybe to make a run and get an eighth seed right yeah and on the assist too Zion was also turned into really good performance passing wise as well and if you're a Pelicans fan I mean you're obviously encouraged by this not only because Zion came in and he you know lit it up but he also it also showed that he's able to adapt and going forward in his career if he does lose that speed that agility then he's able to shoot and you know move the ball around a bit more yeah, guys, and uh, just real quick now, wanted to before we wrap up on Zion, want to get your thoughts now. If he does play the rest of the season, do you think he has a chance to overtake what Ja Morant is doing and maybe either steal Rookie of the Year or get co-Rookie of the Year, depending how the seasons end for both the Grizzlies and for the Pelicans? Um, He shouldn't. Uh, he definitely shouldn't because, look, we're about halfway through the season right now, and if you play half a season, then that's just not a good enough body of work to judge and give you an award like Rookie of the Year, but... I'd give him a fighting chance just because I think there is a slight media a slight media bias towards Zion, if you haven't noticed, like you said, watch his piano all week. So maybe that'll help him bolster and get a few votes, but it should be Ja, and I think he'll win. Yeah, I have to agree that the media wants Zion to be rookie of the year so bad. I mean the way they well, the way just basketball in general works right now is if you're if you're at the level that you are that 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 Zion Williamson is. I mean, we've been talking about Zion Williamson becoming rookie of the year since his junior year of high school. So I think Personally, I think it would really take a lot for for me to say that he's a contender for Rookie of the Year. I think his best bet would just play the amazing these last these next couple games for the rest of the season, and then maybe get close for second place for Rookie of the Year. But right now, it's it's John Morant. Man, I'm just happy to see Zion out there on the court and just playing ball. Like that's what we wanted. We want to see him. We want to see John Morant. We want to see those guys because we feel like those are the next crop of superstars out there. And hopefully, all goes well for Zion and for the New Orleans Pelicans. But that will do it for us here. Jack, Sam, appreciate you guys spending the time talking a little basketball here on episode two. And we will see you again next week, everybody. This was the Pick and Pod podcast. WFUV Sports. We'll see you next week.